Greetings, and welcome to our conversation about Sister Thea Bowman and her music, which has just been re-released by the Daughters of St. Paul. You'll be hearing the voices of Sister Anne Flanagan and Father Maurice Nutt. He considers himself Sister Thea's spiritual son and is currently helping promote her cause for canonization. Enjoy. She was my professor in graduate school. Uh-huh. Um, she was my mentor, so I sought to emulate her work in her ministry, um, so much so that when I was a, uh, when at her wake, I looked down and I said, Thea, who's going to teach her preaching classes? And it's as if she said in her spiritual self, uh, you are. So I went and got my doctorate in ministry and preaching, and so mm-hmm. I became the teacher of the classes that she taught at the Institute for Black Catholic Studies. Um, and, and finally, she's my spiritual mother. Um, I lost my mother uh, the very year that I took her classes at Xavier. Mm-hmm. And um, she helped me deal with the grief of, of losing my mother and sang to me, sang to the whole class. You know, she was known to just break out the song right in the middle of teaching and um, saying, sometimes I feel like a motherless child and came mm-hmm. and put her hands on my shoulder as uh, Saying and comforted me. Oh, wow. Since she and she referred to me as her son, so. only imagine I must feel to have my teacher, my spiritual mother uh, on the road to canonization. And, and if anyone would have told me I would have been her biographer or promoter of her cause at that time, because I was so in awe of her, that I think the first year I never really had a very in-depth conversation because you just knew you were in the presence of someone very important, very special. And so you didn't think that you were worthy to either even chit-chat with her, you know, but it was later that as as the, um, actually, four, six years, I guess, six, five or six years that I've known her before her death, that's when our, our um, relationship became more intimate and got to know her in a, in a real loving way. So, Father Maurice, to me, that that beautiful, moving story, you know, being in sister's class when you lost your mother and having her minister to you with that song, um, was that like one of the first times you you were experienced the ministry of her song or? I was actually at a conference for the uh, joint conference of black priests, sisters, seminarians, deacons and their wives, uh, religious um, convocation they would have. So this conference was held in 1984 in New Orleans, here in New Orleans. 
Uh, and it was in conjunction with the first graduating class of the Institute for Black Catholic Studies. Ooh. So Sister Thea was the keynote speaker, and I had not yet met her, but I was uh, at the uh, graduation. And as I said in the book, as I say in the book, it is uh, something within me just welled up. It was a cathartic moment because she talked about what it means to be Black and Catholic. Uh, I didn't remember exactly her words, but it was an epiphany to me uh, because going through an all-white seminary, I always thought that I had to assimilate or I had to to fit in in order to get in. So I re realized that through her words, she it was an emancipation moment for me uh, in which I was free to be the beautiful Black Catholic child of God that God created me to be. And I was a seminarian at the time. And I cried throughout her whole talk, and people kept looking at me and patting me on my back. And I felt so embarrassed that <laughs> I cried so openly. But her words were liberating. Freeing, her singing was liberating. Of course, you know, you, you asked a question about when she would, when did she first sing? Well, you didn't encounter Thea without her singing. That was part of uh -huh. every time she spoke, she sang. So of course she sang during the graduation as well. So that would be the very first time I heard her in person. And, and I think what made it so easy for Thea was that she was a loved child. She was an only child, and yet she was so loved by her parents, and and so much so that her dad didn't want her to go off to the convent, and so she chose to, at 15 years old, to have a hunger strike. She was not gonna. She felt a calling so powerful to be a sister that she told her parents, "I'm not gonna eat," you know. And she 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 went on a hunger strike. Till her uh, parents relented and let her go to the to the uh, convent at fifteen years old. So, Imagine. So yeah, so that was her. Her she felt such a call uh, by God and by the church in her vocation. So much so too that um, you know they often asked her, you know, what drew you to Roman Catholicism, and she says, well, I went to a lot of different churches, but what I found in the Catholic Church was the church in action, the church loving my poor community. These northern white nuns from Wisconsin coming down to Canton, Mississippi, teaching the children in our neighborhood, providing an education for them, loving them when we, when we had experienced other whites who were very mean to us as African-Americans, that didn't love us, that restricted us to find these women who loved these poor black children, she said it was love and action that caused her to be a uh, Catholic. She says the witness of an active faith, witnessing to love is what called her not only to be Catholic, but to be a Franciscan sister of perpetual adoration. Love called the involvement. Mm -hmm. and, and so also I want to say about uh, her sense of loving and, 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 and just saying, I love you. Uh, an incident happened to Thea when she was studying uh, for a doctorate at Catholic University of America. 
she had befriended an African laywoman there, and she felt that they were very close. And uh, this is kind of tragic, uh, but she uh, one day she came back to the dorms and found out that this African woman had committed suicide. And, and so Thea took it very personal and said, you know, what did I do wrong? How was I not attentive to her problems, her concerns? I didn't recognize it. So she made it a personal practice. She vowed herself to always be attentive to anyone who was in her presence and to tell them that she loved them. So, so that was from a very tragic incident. And, and I often wonder, I didn't know the story when I met her. And, and whenever she spoke to you, you were the only one that mattered. It was like you're the only one in the room. As much as she had going on to, to speak or to sing or prepare, you know, if she could not be focused on you, she would move away. And many times where she spoke, she wanted to be in silence and prayer. But uh, when she was present, she was truly present. When Israel was in Egypt, 